0: Welcome back to the You Can Homeschool podcast, where Pat Fenner and Tracy Hegerman candidly discuss all things homeschooling—the good, the bad, and the brilliant. Go ahead and grab your favorite drink, find a cozy spot, and join this week's lively
1: discussion— Hey everybody, Pat Fenner here. Welcome back to You Can Homeschool, where Tracy Hagerman and I talk about all things homeschool. The good, the bad, the brilliant, the not so brilliant too sometimes, as long as we're all learning. (laughs) Anyway, today's topic is something that we both identify with and appreciate about homeschooling. It's fostering creativity in your kids and how to do that through homeschooling. And I just I have always found homeschooling has been a real good environment for fostering creativity. But Tracy has lots to say about this, our happy homeschooler. So we're gonna Tracy's gonna start off our conversation today. Tracy, how do you, how or how did you, or what kind of tips can you give our listeners about fostering creativity?
0: Okay, well I had a number of tips, but I wanted to just also add that this was something that i felt was a really high priority to instill in my kids to be creative and sometimes i think when we when we talk about creativity we're thinking about someone who's artistic or musical or you know can paint or draw and i i look at this those are all very important but i looked at it from a different point of view of the the value of being of fostering creativity helps kids in problem solving later on in life. And that's one of the things we really wanted to instill. Like if you have a problem in life, let's say you're at work and you know, something's not working and your boss isn't there and you need to get something out to the customer. You need to have those skills of what can I do in this situation? How can I make this work? And so from my point of view, it was, okay, you have a problem or an issue. What can you do? how can you problem solve? So that was sort of the slant we took as the kids got older. So I, I'm going to start with saying a few things about when they were younger and some of the things we did to foster creativity. And then as they got older, how we took that further. So one of the biggest things we did in terms of fostering creativity is we had a craft cupboard. And I've referred to this before. It was basically, I think, an old army locker that might in-laws had at their cottage and they didn't want it anymore they were cleaning out the cottage and I said Oh, I'll take that and so it had a little door on it and it was this metal thing that I just painted white because it was really kind of ugly <laughs> and we put some stickers to decorate it and then we just filled it with craft materials and it was called the craft cupboard when they would go in there I never gave them instruction of what to make it was like here's all the materials be creative so that's when they were young. That was something they did. And sometimes when we were reading aloud, they would they could go in there and get whatever they wanted while we were reading aloud. And it kept their hands busy, especially for my youngest, who was always moving around and stuff. So that, that's how it started. We had this thing called the craft cupboard. But from there, as, as the kids got a little bit older, we would take things like a board game. And so my kids really loved board games. So one of the things we would do is after we would play it, We'd say, okay, what could we change in this game to make it a little more difficult? Or what can we change to make it a little bit more fun? And so they would do that. They would add a different rule. And um, one of the things that gave me this idea was that an aunt of theirs who was a teacher, she was a grade four or five teacher, and she always gave the most uh, the greatest gifts. She always seemed to know the right age of gifts. And she gave them this chess set, and it was learning to play chess. And the way they learned, and it was meant for younger kids, is the first instructions were just using the pawns. So so you learn the moves of how to move the pawns. And then when the kids mastered that, it's the game had said, okay, now you're going to add in the pawns and the king and the queen, and you learn how to move them. And then, you know, you add the bishops and the rooks and the knights. And I thought, wow, what a great way yes. to take a game that's quite, difficult, can be quite difficult, and be able to teach young kids how to play it. And then, you know, when they've mastered it, it's that, oh, I get to try like a new rule or that. So So that is what gave me the idea. And so part of our homeschooling was they would invent their own games, like from scratch. So, okay, there's a board game. What do we know about board games? And and then they would make their own pieces for it. What pieces makes that? Do we need cards? Do we need dice? So that was a fun thing that they did. And over the years, they've each invented a few different board games that we still have. (laughs) Um, so, and that was a way of them just thinking, okay, what do we have and how can we change it?
1: That's also a great example of breaking down. Like you're talking about problem solving, you know, breaking down a big problem into pieces and how do we approach or tack or, you know, uh, solve a different aspect of the problem, which is a skill that is totally transferable to life or to anything. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And um, the one of the other things, I, I used to teach this course in our co-op to um, teens, actually, all about fostering creativity. And the other thing we do is we take, I would say, okay, I want you to name, we're going to name five random objects, and I would just put them on a whiteboard across top, and then five other objects. And so what I do, I'm like, okay, take one of the objects and put it with the other object. So it might be a a set of scissors and a pen, let's say. Okay, so a pair of scissors and a pen. It's like, okay, what could we do if we put those two things together? Could we make something from that? And so the kids would be in little groups and they'd be trying to figure out how to, okay, we're going to tape the pencil onto the scissor so that we can, you know, we can draw. And then after we can cut some, I mean, silly stuff like that, but it was amazing what they came up with. And so we would do that, just take a chair and a cup. And what could you make from that? And then the other thing we do is we'd say, okay, let's say we have an object, a single object. What if we made it bigger? What, what could it be used for? And what if we made it smaller? What could it be used for? What if we took a pen and took it all apart, took all the little pieces apart? What pieces would we be left with, and what else could we use it for? So you know, they say, "Oh, I take a part a pen. oh, there's this center thing. We could actually use that for a straw or whatever." So it just got them thinking and 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 thinking. So it was always, um if we put this upside down, mm-hmm. what could it be used for? You know. <laughs> And, and so I'd give them the example about when I was first um, married, you know, we just got married and we didn't have much money and I had moved from an apartment and my husband had come, he had always lived at home till we got married. And so we moved to our first apartment and we didn't have money yet for curtains, but the window was like, we needed a wind, a, a, a curtain or whatever in our bedroom. So what I did is I had a pair of curtains from my old place that didn't fit and I looked at them, and I thought, "Hey, if I put them sideways, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I sew at the top, it'll fit the window. So that's what we did, and it worked, and we had those for two years, and then we replaced them. But it was always those questions, okay, what can we do with this? Can we make it can we modify it somewhere, make it bigger, make it smaller, take something off, add one thing to it um so so it was always those questions, and then so whenever they did have a problem with something they'd come and they'd be complaining about oh it always takes so long to fold the laundry or it always you know one of those things i had this rule that i said okay you're totally allowed to complain but you have to come with a suggestion for improvement you can't just complain that's excellent yeah so it was you know the laundry was always like sorting whose laundry was in because it was all together and so they decided that we were each going to do our own laundry. So they didn't have to sort between, you know, the girls trying to figure (laughs) out whose top is in there or whatever. And then it came down to, oh, like sorting dirty laundry is no fun. So then we, as a group, came up with the idea that if we each have two baskets in our closet, you can put the colored and the white and they're already sorted. So when you're, so it was stuff like that. So it was always saying, okay, I know this is, like a pain, or I know this is annoying. What can we do? So, and I know sometimes the kids accuse me of, mom, you always ask, we ask you a question and you always give us a question back (laughs) because I always wanted them to think, right? (laughs) But it, but I think those things are really important, Mm -hmm. like making them think in the smaller things. So when they get to the bigger things in life. They they have that ability to think. Okay, we're not stuck here. What can we do differently?
1: Absolutely. So, what are what are some of the things you did, Pat? In well, your... those I love those ways. I mean, but um, well, one of the things that I think is really important, no matter what activity that you use to, is to to express to them that you have confidence that they can do this. They have this within themselves because I think it's easy for moms, and I know I suffered from this too rather than say, figure this out, you know, you have an idea in your head just from your years of experience and everything. And you think just, if they just did such and such, we get this over with, we get this done. And then you, you're tempted. And sometimes we're not only tempted, but we do it to just step in and take, take over and problem solve. And that really, and that's a skill that we as parents need to develop, to be patient, to be able to step back To be able to express to our kids, hey, yeah, this is this is tricky. What you know? What do? What are some ideas? I know you can figure this out. What are some ideas? And let's talk about it. Not pass judgment. You know, truly brainstorm because when you brainstorm something, of course, you ideally you don't edit and you don't pass judgment. Brainstorming is just let's throw all the ideas out and then we'll kind of sift through them. But I think if our kids feel that we don't trust them to come up with an answer, or we think that our answer is better. And if they know from experience that we'll just jump in and eventually fix it anyway, so they don't even need to play around with it, it kind of squashes their creativity. And I would agree with you, Tracy, that the, the overarching, the bigger picture of all this is, you know, when they're kids, yeah, have that craft shelf and everything, just let them go at it and be creative and do all these things. But the overarching thing is gonna be, well, when we get older and we have to problem solve, how can I look at this differently? How can I take this situation and turn it sideways? You know, like the thing with the curtains, that was excellent. And that create that, that being able to think creatively will translate into being an adult, a creative adult problem with the thing so I you know I'll have to I have to say that some of those things that we did and it was it was neat listening to to you and kind of bringing back memories my, I have a son one of my sons is crazy about board games I mean picked that up as a kid you know and he used to create his own games and get the kid the you know his siblings involved and they did all kinds of stuff and even now he's in college and he still he does the I don't even know what they're all called but he's got to come up with the situation and the process and then he gets other people engaged in it. I mean he does these really elaborate scenarios that I just don't I don't get and everything but I admire his creativity, you know, he just really feeds off that and grows with that. But I would say that you know no matter what activities you use to make sure your kids know that you trust them and this can take time if you are used to If you're not used to this, you know, if you're used to stepping in and everything, just make sure that they understand that, yeah, they can do it. And just because the first answer or solution we come up with doesn't work doesn't mean we can't do it. It means we just got to go back brainstorming a little bit more, looking at it, you know, turning it a little bit on its side or whatever.
0: Yeah, it it makes me think um, one of the the things we we would often do is when their birthdays came up, we basically had birthday parties till they were probably 16 or 18. Like they, it was just the thing. Uh, two of ours have their birthdays in the summer. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, here's your chance to invite yeah. friends or whatever. But, but what happened was when they were little, you know, you'd play this game. I don't know if you've ever played the game where you wrap up, I'd usually get a bag of candy that they could share at the end, but it, you'd wrap it in like 20 bags with tape. Mm. And so what would happen is, I think what we did, we pulled two names out of a hat and those two people had to run and try to unwrap it. And the first, and then it was timed. Okay. So when the timer was up, okay, go. And because it's all taped, they can't quite get it apart. So we did this when they were young and they loved it. But each year the game got more creative. So (laughs) the next year we said, they said, oh, let's make it a little more difficult. This time we have to wear like oven mitts. To try and unwrap, and of course, you have two kids running to the middle. They have to put on their oven mitts, and then they're both grabbing it from each other, and it's on a timer. So then, by the time they were fifteen or sixteen, they would still play these games, and their friends would love to come to our parties because they're like, "You guys always have the craziest." Oh yeah, things going on. But then, what they did is, by the time they were like I said, fifteen or sixteen, they had to run over, put on snow pants, a snow jacket, a scarf, a hat gloves, ski goggles, and the timer was still like, you know, whatever it was, 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. And then they'd just get to the bag and then it was over. So I mean they would have a blast, right? And then what happened was even in that group, they'd be like, okay, let's play this again. But this time we're going to do it. so the whole group would be getting into it. Well, what are the n- newest ideas? And then it was blindfolded. So then you had to get dressed and then you're trying to find. So it, it was this annual they all had these big parties, and it was all their friends saying it's so fun, and I mean they're teenagers right and I would laugh because normally you know they're all cool or whatever, but it just sort of transferred over in other ways, like you know so i I find they're good problem solvers and it's giving them the ownership, like you said not not stepping in, giving them the ownership and Like even when it comes to school, like my youngest daughter had trouble concentrating a lot of times. And she's like, Mom, I really find if I put music on, it helps me. And I I just thought it was an excuse. But I had to trust her. I had to, and, and sometimes when they say stuff that this is gonna work, even though you're thinking this is not gonna work, we have to allow them to try. And it was always like, okay, we'll try it and then we'll evaluate in two weeks or whatever but you know most of the 90% of the time it would work their idea was a good idea for them and i had to trust them so it's that letting go right not doing it for them not problem solving for them but letting them do what worked for them and letting them own it and then giving
1: them having confidence mm-hmm. and you know that's that's an excellent point to uh, encourage them to evaluate because give it, you know, give a certain amount of time and a value, especially as they turn to middle school and teenage. I mean, this is really important for them to learn that, you know, they'll come up with something and it may not work right away, but give it the, you know, like you, for your example, two weeks or a week, however long, you know, depending on what it is, you can adjust that. But don't be uh, discouraged if something doesn't, work right away give it a certain amount of time and then step back and evaluate it and then it's not and then you're also teaching them to talk through it you know you could lead the discussion in the beginning as they learn how to do that and assess and analyze i mean these are all crucial skills that adults need but it's an interesting and relevant and sometimes fun application of it for them to learn and so it doesn't feel like they're adulting, but they are because they're learning these skills that will help them when they are out on their own. And then they'll be able to look back and oh, that's what mom was doing. Or even better, they won't even realize that they've learned it. It'll just become an organic, natural go-to mode for them.
0: Yeah. And and you know, when they're I was thinking when, you know, when they become teens and that and they want to go to this event or that event, and mom, can you drive me here or there or that? And we're figuring out who's going with what car. I, I, you had five kids only at three and I found it got complicated. <laughs> but it was sort of like, I would say to them, okay, you know, I was always willing to carpool or or whatever, but I would have them figure it out. Okay. You need to be at scouting, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is your event. Go talk to dad about what he's doing, what your sisters are doing. So it was not always on me. I tried as much as possible, try and transfer some Find out the information and then we'll work out something together. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, okay, call your friend. We drove last week. See if they can go. So I I kept slowly transferring the responsibility to them. And, and it takes a lot of thought sometimes mm-hmm. to do that. And it takes energy because you're sometimes just easier, like you said, to, to step in and do it yourself. But I just found over time it was they really... That transfer of ownership and responsibility and accountability is what we want. That's the point we want them to get to.
1: The payoff is when they come to you and say, for example, they're a junior and they say, mom, you know, in high school, they, maybe they're driving or we have friends who are driving. Mom, I know we have a really busy weekend, but so-and-so needs me to go help them do such and such. and Joe will be driving and we'll get this done and I'll be back in time for the party this afternoon or to help you set up for the party. Like they'll have this whole plan of something they need to do and they'll take ownership for it. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I think sometimes there's as parents, there's this thing to love on our children (laughs) And I have this saying like, stop loving your children to death. <laughs> and it's usually done out of, of love or okay, we need to get this done and mm-hmm. But know, it's yeah. a
1: creativity killer. Yeah. You know? We yes. we can really stifle their creativity by well, by loving too much.
0: Yeah. I was I was gonna mention that this incident happened. long time ago that I never forgot is we used to go to this little pre um it was like a play group kind of thing and there was always a a lady that ran a craft time and a circle time and that and one day I was talking to her and she said that one of the most difficult things of her job was when you would have a caregiver come in with a few kids and they would be doing the craft. And the caregiver, she said she would see this where they would take the child and the child might be two or three. She would take, physically take their hand and make them go into the glue to put the thing to, and, and she said, I'm always trying to tell them like, let them do it, let them do it. And she said the response she would often get from the caregiver was, well, I need to show the parents that they did this craft, but that they did a good job. It was almost like mm. there was this agenda that the caregiver felt, well, if it's just this craft that, you know, has one thing or it or it's glues all over it or whatever, it doesn't look like I was paying attention to the child. Mm. But the, what the, the lady who was running thing was, was saying, which, what was unfortunate is that these little kids, that's their first, like first time at being creative with whatever the little craft is. And already there's some intervention there trying to make them do it a certain way. Mm -hmm. And she said she had so much, she was always trying to explain to them like, just let them do it. Just, just let them do it. And it's true. We can kill their creativity from a really young age. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to have another episode probably on this, but one of the things that I believe really does stifle creativity is um screen time but mm. we're not oh, gonna yes. go into that today That's oh a- are we gonna not? go into that one <laughs> i just i just wanted to mention that i always felt that if you could choose an audiobook over screen time or just reading a book over screen time you are going to do so much to help your kids be more creative but i'm gonna leave it right there
1: <laughs> right yes because we that's a whole rabbit hole that is worth an, an entire episode definitely <laughs> all right well i've really enjoyed this and it's kind of brought back a lot of memories too about uh the things that we've done that have helped our kids and it's and it's it is nice you know you and i both have grown kids now and it's just very uh, rewarding to be able to see all this stuff Pay off, you know, when they have successful lives, they're on their own, they're being creative, maybe in a creative field, uh, and just have all those things bloom, blossom, grow that, that started while we were at home. So, parents, take this seriously—that you have the ability. It's it's not only a privilege, but it's a joy to be able to influence your kids this way. You know, it's uh, su- such a privilege to be able to stand by and help them discover and develop creativity within themselves and then to be able to apply it as they grow older and uh you know eventually go out on their own and be grown and flown
0: <laughs> yeah and and uh the other thing is if you're driving them somewhere and i learned this <laughs> if you really want your kids to talk to you when they're a teen it is to ask them those questions as you're driving and that's another way of being creative and getting, letting your kids have their say, it's sort of like you're driving somewhere and you're, and I would just ask these odd questions. Like if you were given a hundred dollars and you had to make it last for a month, what would you spend it on? Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so we'd be driving along somewhere and it would just be like a question like that. And we really get them talking, you know,
1: there is something I know. You know, I'm I'm all about eye contact, but there is something about the lack of eye contact in a car that will get your kiddo <laughs> to talk like nothing. It's incredible. I totally agree with that, Tracy. It's, use the car car riding, car driving times or whatever for 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 quality, creative conversations.
0: Yeah, and then I would tell myself, okay, Trace, ask the question and then zip it. <laughs> I tell myself, just just listen and then the things they would talk about and that were cool yeah. and it's it's a good way to get their creative mind going
1: <laughs> definitely definitely yeah. yeah
0: so i don't know i think we've pretty much covered uh, it today and um i want to say uh thank you to pat cuz i always find you have such little neat nuggets of wisdom that i enjoy hearing mm. from you um so it's been a privilege i think to get to know you better and to have these conversations and i hope for those of you out there listening that you know yeah academics are really important but some of these other things i think are equally important if not more important so find those ways to be creative in your home let your children take on the lead and step back a bit let them let them lead and you'll you'll probably be amazed at some of the where they'll lead you mm. so if you're enjoying these episodes, we hope you'll subscribe. We hope you'll listen. And more than anything else, we really hope that you have a wonderful time with your kids um, fostering creativity.
1: So we hope to see you again and have a great week. Okay, and we will talk to you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye bye.
0: Well, that wraps up another episode of the You Can Homeschool podcast. Thanks for joining us for another candid conversation. For more information on life changing books, courses, and coaching services, or if you have a homeschooling topic you'd like to hear discussed in a show, check our show notes for how to reach out to Pat and Tracy.